And we're back. Oh, we're back already? Oh, geez. We're back already. Oh, I wasn't even finished with the I logo. Know. Now we're just twitching. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to another episode of Twitching Upstream. Uh, we'll get there soon. Currently, we're just twitching up. Uh, we are some nobodies. I am Zach, and uh, this over here, that guy is Dylan. Uh, together, what we do is we create. We write, we create, we sometimes even film things. And what we want to do is we want to kind of show people our weird process of doing that. So we have a show called Talking Upstream, and that comes out every Sunday. And what that does is uh, we have a guest on there that is isn't a creative, and then we kind of throw some ideas at them. And we love that show. It's a great show. It's an easy way for us to build things in our project portfolio. But we also like to do things where we get to interact with people live. So we wanted to create a show where... Uh, people could just watch us live, try to create something. They could throw some ideas at us. Uh, they could, th you know, just uh, swerve our conversation. Tell make us our good stories. afternoon. Hello, Jason. <laughs> Tell us. Oh, hey, Jason Taylor. Nice to see you. Uh, good afternoon, sir. Um, yeah, so that's what this show pretty much is. I yeah. throw ideas at Dylan, and he helps me uh, organize them, structure them, make them into better ideas. But before we get going until some people get into you know the chat, and like I said, if you have any ideas that you want to throw into this thing, just throw them into the chat. If you're watching this on Twitch, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're watching this on Facebook, anywhere like it, just like and subscribe. Uh, it helps us, obviously, but also like we throw a bunch of weird content out there. Um, McManhattan, how are you, sir? Good to see you. Good to see you. And before we start the creating thing, because we don't have anyone to interview and because my best friend Dylan doesn't always respond to my text messages, I like to throw out some quick questions to him uh, based on what I find important in pop culture media news. Uh, he doesn't find it as important, but because it's a live show and he can't dip out, he's got to answer this stuff for me. Uh, so we're going to get into uh, DC news. Snyder Cut's coming out soon. And a couple of days ago, and this is what I was going to talk about initially, a couple of days ago, they posted a Flash ad, like an ad uh, for the Snyder Cut, mostly showing the Flash. But at the end of it, it says now streaming. And a lot of people are making jokes about how the Flash went back in time, back blah, blah, blah. But today, for some reason, there was a weird glitch yep. where if, if you tried to watch Tom and Jerry, you got to see Snyder Cut by accident. I'm curious if you think that this is uh, any kind of uh, weird promo. So, quick question. Was this a way to get people to watch Tom and Jerry? I, I, I can't imagine because I don't know how anyone discovered this. Are people actually going to watch Tom and Jerry? Well, I watched Tom and Jerry. I mean, I was curious about it when it first came out, so I sure. did watch it. Uh, I, I think that now once people found out about that, they would click on Tom and Jerry just to see if it's a just Snyder Cut. Just to see if a glitch. Which would boost her number. So I don't know if it's a real thing or not. Um, so yeah, that, that happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very weird. I, I don't know what's going on with this. I'm so excited to see this movie. But yeah. uh, I, I don't I'm know curious. if the promos are getting weird. Uh, people, are freaking, people are freaking out about the Snyder Cut. Uh, all right, let's move on to Marvel News. WandaVision. Uh, obviously, the series finale... Uh, at least season finale was last week, and we're probably getting a little bit of spoilers. Um, yeah, we're you watched. It. It. Yeah, you I watched. Did watch it, right? it. End credits. Would you Would you think of the end credits? Uh, my my question. The shape so obviously shape there was there was two end credits. There was the the scroll end credit, and then there was yes. the the post post credit, which is the astral form. There's a lot of people oh, kind yes. of. Uh, talking about the astral form and and wondering what that means. Uh, do you think it's a Doctor Strange reference, or do you think that she's hiding from somebody by having one form of herself that is just dealing with trauma and drinking tea, while the other form of herself is learning the Darkhold? I didn't assume the astral form was to hide. I assume she was just multitasking through magic. Like, that's yeah. straight up. I think, I mean, obviously, I think she's in hiding, but I think Marvel 
most of the time treats hiding as you go into this cabin. That's it. You're going to go hang out in this cabin yeah. for a while. That's how they've had everybody now, in hiding. Now, speaking of that cabin she was in at the end, there's a little bit of speculation as to where that is. Now, she's at a lake, right? So there's yeah. three main theories as to where that place is. The first theory is that that is where, like, they keep Wolverine. <laughs> uh, okay. You know, well, whatever that alkaline lake, right? Yeah. Uh, which is where, uh, 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 what's-his-face has Wolverine. I don't really think so. No. Uh, the second theory is that it's Sokovia, and that lake is the crater that was made by... Uh, what Ultron did by carrying yeah. up that bit of land and crashing that, which is kind of cool. But also there's people that are thinking that it's Wondergore Mountain. Uh, and, and Wondergore is where Wanda first got her powers in the comics. It's also where the Chaos book was created. So do you have any theories on that? Or do you think that's just a random just mountain spot? I think the finale episode of WandaVision showed us what Marvel thinks of our theorizing. I don't think it's any of them. I think it's a cabin. I think it was just a cabin on a lake they had. Cool. Uh, I think the most likely one... Oh, yeah, she's absolutely going to be in Doctor Strange. Yeah, um, she's in the I think the most likely one is that it's probably going to be tied to Wondergore. I don't think Sokovia. I think that's dumb. Um, because it wouldn't make a neat lake like that. And it, it was too picturesque. It didn't look like Sokovia's surroundings, which was kind of like mountainous, but not snow-capped. Like it looked like um, like like uh, Scandinavia or something like that. Like it, I imagined it was further and more in like you know some yeah. rural northern locale. Um, and I mean Alkali Lake. I think this entire series has shown the futility of trying to show uh, tell us when the X Men are going to cross over. Plus, Alkali yeah. Lake is not a, it's not a comics location, right? That was invented for the Mar for the Snyder, not the Snyder movies, the other movies. No, that that is that is comic that's a, accurate. That's a comic where, accurate where, one. Okay. Yeah, that's where the weapon, uh, the weapon projects were were taken. I don't care buy of. it. That that yeah. that feels like like stretching to get your your like universal <laughs> cross theory through, yeah. like. I mean, that's, that's pretty much yeah. me stretching things. Uh, yeah. Also, uh, it was released that there was a deleted scene. I'm not sure if you heard about this or not. There was a deleted scene that kind of showed what Senor Scratchy's ultimate form was going to be. As we've seen that he was a big deal, that the rabbit was a big deal throughout the course of WandaVision. And uh, yesterday on uh, Kevin Smith's show, the writer, Matt Shackman, came up and said that there was this deleted scene where there was supposed to be this very cool uh, body horror thing where... The rabbit turns into her because the rabbit is her familiar, and right. it's this big kind of werewolf thing, and it like cool. stretches out and becomes this werewolf and it chases the thing. But they had to cut all that. So uh, it, I, I think that you're right. I think Wandavision shows the length that we can go with uh, assuming certain things, and I think that their casting of Pietro as, the way it was, Pietro, uh, that um, fed it. That definitely fed yep. into it. Um, Absolutely. I am bummed that we missed out on a grotesque transformation scene because I found the final confrontation between two very powerful witches to be incredibly disappointing. We fly mm, around uh, and we throw softballs at each other. I like the rune stuff. The rune stuff is cool, but it yeah. equated to Wanda throwing, you know, red, lasers. red lasers at her. And I'm like, do something clever. Do something fun. Yeah. We had that I Facebook agree. discussion a while ago about what the best... Uh, wizard battle on film is and it it kind of wa wavered between the uh, merlin fight from sword in the stone and the dumbledore voldemort fight in harry potter 5 those are two very different wizard duels and they're both very good but they're good in different ways one is spectacle and one is magical kind of like cleverness turning into a disease that sort of thing and yeah. i expected more in either direction from wandavision and instead we got this kind of like it was a TV. It was a. It was a TV one. It was. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Well, from a writer point of view, though, on the other side of that fight was the Vision v Vision fight. Mm -hmm. Now, using using the ship of Theseus as a, a a battle, a mental battle. How did you feel about that? That was the perfect confrontation between Vision and Vision. That was exactly how it should have gone down. They start by yeah. fighting because you know tensions are high. They have a moment to discuss, and then they're both like. We're perfect. We are. We are perfectly rational 
intelligent, like artificial beings. Should we talk about this? And they do. And they come to a philosophical arrangement and it ends without any more blows being thrown. Yeah. Uh, that wow. said, where did white vision go? I don't know. I was just going to say oh. the conclusion felt rushed overall. Uh, Wanda beats Agatha. She, she does something horrific, which is lock yeah. her in her, in, in the role of being the sitcom housewife. That's horrific. And I liked that because that was definitely a dark mo vision, dark moment for her, but yeah. it was like, okay, we fought. I did it. Family's gone. Hex is gone. Um, bye. And then she leaves there. There was yeah. no, there was no, not even a, a post like an epilogue featuring like what happened to the town or what happened to sword. Um, Hayward's end was really abrupt vision pieces out or like white vision pieces out. Um, yeah. I don't know. It, it, I had to remind myself towards the end that it is supposed to be a Marvel property and it's going to tie into things forward, but I think mm -hmm. there's still room to at least wrap things up while leaving more room to tie into future things. And I don't think this one struck that balance. Now there's kind of one more episode. They're putting out a behind the scenes thing yeah. this Friday. It's like a making uh, of, isn't it? Uh, like a making of behind the scenes. I'm wondering if we're going to get anything out of that that kind of uh, leads us or anything. Because then the following week is when Falcon and Winter Soldier comes on. So yeah. Um, all right. I'm anyway, let's to get that. out of that's here. That's going to be fun. Yeah, that's cool. Because that that mostly takes place in um, Madripoor, which is a pretty famous. X-Men location in the comics. Hmm. So uh, they're really doing things by setting the MCU in X-Men properties. And they just released that new title, uh, The Mutants, which is um, hopefully <laughs> the next big thing they're working on. All right, over Mephisto. in Star... <laughs> I thought you were Mephisto. Uh, okay, it's Star Wars news. Now, I'm a huge fan of Star Wars. I love Rebels. I love Ezra Bridger. I think it's a very, very cool character. And uh, current rumors is they cast... Uh, Mina Masood as Ezra Bridget, who is the titular character of Aladdin. Did you happen to see the live action version of Aladdin? I have not seen that yet. Okay, do literally do not waste your time. Other than him, uh, oh no, and, that's uh, not necessarily true. I watched it on an airplane between the seats ahead of me. Okay, with no audio, so I saw like the parrot fight and that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. and I was just like, I don't, I don't need to go back and watch this. Yeah. yeah. Uh yeah, it, it it it's it's not great. Uh it's not really worth it. it. It's somewhat entertaining, but Aladdin performance is great. So I'm excited for him to pop into right. the, you know the Star Wars universe. I think he was uh rather catching. He was uh, a good-looking dude. Uh Nerd Universe. Okay, so we have Godzilla versus Kong coming out soon. That's this month, March 31st. What, yep. what are your theories? What what's going what's going on in this movie? What's happening um, here? Um it's either Mecha Godzilla or Mecha Ghidorah. Uh, Godzilla and Kong are going to fight and then they're not going to fight and then they're going to fight a different guy. Um, I based, based on the trailers, it looks like they are following the Toho recipe for Mechagodzilla or for Godzilla versus Kong where two monsters team up to fight a cybernetic version of one of them. And that's every team yeah. up movie, which is fine. Um, now my, I don't care about the story in these monster movies. Everybody's like, no, the human story wasn't great. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm here for the monsters destroying scenery. I'm there for the spectacle. Expecting anything deeper is a mistake. In a Godzilla movie, that's not like, like Shin Godzilla. There are, there are obviously exceptions to the rule. But I am going there to see giant monsters destroy each other on destructible scenery. And if yeah. you nail that, I'm going to walk out satisfied because I'm going to watch it on an HBO Max and not pay any money for it beyond my subscription. Yeah. But I'm curious how they're going to get these two. You know, if Godzilla is like the the protector of nature or whatever, and King Kong is the protector of Skull Island, and and you know they're they're forcing these two creatures to fight. I'm curious why. Is so, it an entertainment thing or? So um, they here's my theory, and this is based on the old Mecha Godzilla storyline. They capture Kong. They bring. They're like or. They start off and they're like, Godzilla's attacking humans. He doesn't normally do that. I thought he was a buddy. So they capture Kong because they're like, what other Titan is around who's friends with humans? Well, back in the 70s, Monarch did this whole thing with John C. Riley, 
and they're going to take him to probably um like damn i guess monster island is skull island in this continuity but they're going to get godzilla to fight kong as a way of just like a control and it's going to be brutal and people are going to be like wow maybe godzilla is a bad guy and in one of the fights or something they're going to hit him with a missile or he'll get hit by kong or something and a piece of his skin's going to be blown off and there's going to be metal underneath and it turns out it's all a beta test for mecha godzilla so then they're like where's Ooh. actual godzilla turns out he's sleeping underground we have to go down and get godzilla w- wake him up and meanwhile <laughs> mecha godzilla is dressed up as godzilla and doing his thing so then kong and godzilla have their like dominance fight they have a tie Mecha Godzilla shows up, they fight him, um, and, you know, you do the whole, like, operatic movie score over scenes of massive urban destruction. That's what I think the storyline's gonna be. So, pretty awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great, I think. Um, Pacific Rim will still be better, I think. Yeah, um, I, like I told you, there's a Pacific Rim anime uh, that just popped up on I Netflix. saw. It does the same style yeah. of animation as Dragon Prince. I don't know if I'm into it yet. Yeah, it's not that great. It's a lot of guns. Yeah. I know you're not a fan of guns. Yeah, they're fine. Okay, well, let's get on to yeah. what we do, right? Let's, let's get on to this. Now, this part of the show, like I said earlier, I send Dylan rapid-fire text messages of idea after idea after idea. He sends me ideas uh, as well. Like, it's not just one-sided. He sends a lot of ideas as well. Mine are obviously more involved. His are way better. Um, and we wanted to work on some of these. So this part of the show, what he does is he normally reads a text message of something that I sent him. And we kind of uh, work on it with your help. So, But I think he's got something a little bit different this week. He told me to yeah. prepare. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch it over to, to, to Dylan. We're we're changing up the format this week a little bit because we're not accountable to anybody except ourselves and McManhattan and IBM TV and the people who bear Patreon and the people you you know what I mean. Um, but what we're doing this week because it's been a long week for both of us. I'm not going to go too far into details, but we've had some uh, some real life events occur this week, and we haven't had a whole lot of time to a discuss that just talk like zach and i have you know been kind of absent i've been out of state and we haven't had a whole lot of time at least on my end to invest some mental currency into creation so what i think we're gonna do last week was just a little rushed i think it was good when we did the monster kind of like extra dimensional monsters break into the our world and then they use like prison labor to yeah the, the, them off. the podcasters yeah, the yeah. podcasters that find the monster thing, and the, the, I think I end up calling it the edge of the shiv. Yeah, we you know it's it's we can change it up until we publish it, but um, we um, I think it's a pretty good title. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's good. Um, I thought we would develop that a little further into right. an episodic thing. Um, cool. Because I'm into that. Like, yeah, we've got we've got a whole bunch of backlog ideas, but you know this one really kind of caught our imagination. I had some people text me afterwards saying it's a really cool idea. So I say we turn we we figure out like we keep it relatively achievable for what we can get. So ten episodes at most, which I just think ten episodes limited series is great. Fred Carroll's in the chat. Hello, Fred. Um, hi. <laughs> um, I don't. I, hey, I, I got Fred. nothing else to contribute. Yeah, it's good to you know haven't seen him in a while. But um, we're going hey, to. Hey, did you happen to? Did you happen to see Dylan? Did you happen to see that that cool video that uh, Fred made for our show? I haven't seen it yet. No. Oh no. If you want to, no. no. If you want to send that uh, to me. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty cute. I think you'll like it. Uh, he cool. made you a tiny five year old boy, and he made okay. me a uh, very beautiful woman, and yeah. uh, I think it really summed up our show well. So uh, <laughs> I'm excited to see. We are our, we are all about first, inclusivity. Uh, so yeah, perfect. That's true. Yeah, children I'm crazy, and our women. First commercial. Yeah, so thank you, Fred Carroll. Also, hey, honestly, if you're watching this right now, uh, go check out Fred's show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fred is awesome. He's a very accomplished writer, very, very funny man. Uh, has a very funny look, which always makes oh, the show that much better. Hilarious looking. It's great. <laughs> um, so okay, so we're Edge doing of the Edge, Edge of the Shiv. Um, so I was trying to think up, when I saw that that's what you had titled it, I was trying to think up uh, acronyms that Shiv could stand for, and most of them started off Strategic Homeland Intervent... No. Doesn't quite work. That's been taken. We'll figure something out. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking 
I like prestige TV where you have lower you have a lower number, higher quality episodes. So like ten. Okay. Um. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Fred, we meant that exactly as you took it. Um. Watch, watch the whiteboard. Watch the whiteboard. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> My God, man, Classic. it's it's like watching someone get mugged in live TV. Um, yeah. So I say we do ten episodes. We start with a two-part pilot, which is the one we did last week, where a bunch of podcasters meet up in the woods. They're uh, pursuing individual leads. They stumble across a monster fight, the site of a monster battle. Um, and then they meet some folks in the woods who are a band of effectively forced labor. Like they're, they're prisoners who have been given a chance at reducing their sentences. If they will go out into areas of temporal anomalies, I say time space anomalies where the barrier between realities is weak and they fight these monsters that come through and wind up, um, kind of either forcing them back or capturing them for study or straight up killing them. If you know, if they're really bad, uh, the podcasters try and help them out because they're in the middle of this. We realize that the prisoners are kind of the cool guys and they wind up, I think liberating them and getting on the run kind of, cause now they're being pursued by Shiv. Right. That's kind of how we wind yeah. up doing it. Yeah. At least for the yeah. TV show. I like the idea that they're kind of doing this vigilante style. No, I, I think that, I think that's great, and I like that it is uh, the team of the podcasters teaming up with parts of Shiv to be like an anti-Shiv organization, um, whatever that's going to be. And yeah, I, I like I like this being. At first, we talked about it; it was a a movie concept, and uh, as you're, we're just talking about it being like a series. I'm like, yeah, I can actually see this similar to like a movie, like a Monster of the Week kind of series. Uh, we set it in different like locations and they have to find the place. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think it's all very cool. Yeah. Um, so what we did last week was pretty much the pilot episode. Then, uh, the, the two part, the two part premiere, I said, we do that <laughs> as a two part, a two part only, only because like you, you have these episodes, you have these shows that are generally like, you know, a 45 minute episode or a 22 minute episode with the occasional two parter. And I say, we do a two parter to start and a two parter finale. Just so that cool. way we can kind of like make sure the the actual the story beats fit where we want them. So okay. episodes one and two are what we developed in the previous episode, which ends with them kind of on their own as a group with this secondhand gear, and they're like, "What are we doing?" Well, I guess we're hunting monsters. Mm -hmm. Um, episode three, I think, is them. So I'm seeing I'm seeing the overall arc of this going. They tackle one or two on their own and they realize that they are not well supplied or funded or backed up at all. Mm -hmm. So episode three, maybe four is them doing like a real cheap, like they got to be really clever about how they use the uh, equipment they have. They have to be really clever about how they face these threats. And then in four or five, they meet up with a different organization that rivals Shiv, either like, like the good guy hunters. They're like the catch and release kind of guys who catch it tag it and release it back into the wilderness, which is actually just the alternate dimension it came from. Cool. And then from then on, so that's like the first arc of like the first four or five episodes. Second one, we do a few more monster of the week where they now have the backing of this opposite group of that's opposite Shiv. And then the last two or three, like, you know, you have the big two parter confrontation, maybe the last arc maybe the last three or four episodes leads up to a confrontation between Shiv and this group they've fallen in with. All right. I like that. Okay. So episodes one and two, we went over last week. Easy. Yeah. Episode three is going to be the re-up of the, the re-upping of supplies and probably one of those like a uh, uh, heisty kind of things where learning, they learning you know, the they, ropes. Yeah. Right. All right, episode four, they meet up with a different team and then they kind of uh, gain like a mentor or whatever. And those people probably, uh, you know, don't really play by the rules, but are on the right side and doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, what do you think would be a mid-season finale? Like say episode five of this 10, what is something that, that's pretty big? I say that's them getting comfortable. Maybe we do, maybe we lead up to a time skip afterwards. Like, you know, they've been doing this for a few months now. 
Um, and I think we foreshadow that Shiv has like an ulterior motive with these things, whether it is something as dramatic as like opening a permanent hole in reality that they can either, you know, explore through or harvest or mine or whatever, or yeah. we can go as a large scale as just breaking reality so that there are no parallels and so that everything is one. But I think that might be a little too much for season one, or it could be I as like- low stakes as starting a zoo. Well, I like the idea of using maybe these interdimensional things as fuel or as some sort okay. of resource uh, because it, I think it needs to be something slightly devious. Um, that way they can play it off. as like, these things are attacking Earth. We got to get rid of them, yeah. but we're actually just crushing up their bones. So I'm going to propose they are looking to open up a permanent hole in reality and the exchange of energies or something along that can be harvested to be to fuel stuff like as a as a power source but having a hole in reality for that long draws attention so it risks just fracturing you know like crap you know you have a you have a hole somewhere as stuff passes through it starts to crack around the outside yeah and i think what like, is that is that, that letting just, bad things in or is that just letting more things in or what what all, is the downside of the cracking of the all hole? of the above? I think we okay. start off with it just being like we have, we've got another. Oh, what are we going to call a manifestation? We've got another one manifesting something like that, maybe. Um, and then the encounters start coming more often, and then they start coming everywhere. You know, they start becoming more common everywhere, and yeah. then they start honing in on the facility or something like that, or like reacting violently. So and that then, actually could be it. That could be a really good precipice for what's happening here. Is like they they just got this hole open, and the cracking is making random anomalies happen everywhere. So they're like sending out like little sects of the uh, shiv units, and that's where our people are kind of like catching them because yeah, I think that's cool. So I think we I think we foreshadow that in episode six or f- well five. Let's do five, where where we get I think we we pepper throughout in early bits like an episode. Three, they they, you know, heist some supplies from a shift facility, and <clears throat> they see they have like containment units for these things, and they're okay. like, "Well, that's weird," but it's not, it's not out of the, you know, it's you know, they were saying when we were working for Shiv, one of the prisoner characters, like when we were working for Shiv, they said that we weren't always exterminating these things. Sometimes we were capturing them. Never said for what we always assumed they were private collectors. And then yeah. uh, episode four, we have them like the episode four is when they meet the good guy group. So I don't think we foreshadow anything in that. Cause that's all present plot. Like that's all, that's yeah. all immediate plot stuff. See, I, I like the idea of the, the people not really knowing what, the agency is doing with these uh with these beings um i i like them even maybe lying to them saying like oh no we're just taking them to the one export hole there's like many many import holes but like we got to get them to this one facility which is where they yeah. can put them back but they're actually just like you know killing them or whatever yeah um yeah i think that's cool because we, we don't really want the military the military in here to be bad uh yeah. they just no this is, all, this is all black ops science stuff yeah. Okay, so that in five is when we learn that the cracking of this uh, temporal hole is causing a lot of other things to happen. Um, and then we got to get all the way up to the confrontation of uh, the first head of Shiv. So what is like the next little bit of the sequence look like? Um, hold on. Um. So what I've got so far is episode four. We I think we in episode four we have like an offhand comment about Shiv having a portal machine that can induce these holes, where they're like, mm-hmm. you know, they have a they have a way to send these back. They don't always keep them here. Sometimes keeping them here makes things worse. So they have a way to send this stuff back. We don't know where it is or what it is, and we don't worry about it yet because I mean, presumably their technology is not advanced enough to maintain a stable. Um. Let's get let's let's be let's be gross. Let's call them abscesses. Sure. Universal abscess. <laughs> um which yeah, they just it just punches a hole in reality to the nearest kind of um 
aligned alternate universe. Um, I think six, I think five and six are mostly Monster of the Week episodes with some with some yeah. plot development. But we hint yeah, at cool. the, you know, yeah. Um, and episode seven is a Monster of the Week that gets a little too far. That goes a little too far. Like they have like a really intense encounter with Shiv. Like a like a specialized shiv unit, which is combat, mm-hmm. and they're like, we don't know why they're defending this one so bad. And then as they run away, they see that they're like capturing this one and taking it. And they're like, we got to find out where they're taking these. And then eight, nine, and ten are when they go to the facility where they're capturing these things and like dissecting them for pharmaceuticals and makeup, yeah. and processed food. Yeah. And then they, they find out that they have a permanent portal they're trying to make stable enough to generate power from, and that is attracting all of these things across reality. Yeah. They're using these weird things for fake meat for vegans, since it can't be tested as <laughs> uh, earth meat. <laughs> it's it's not, any, it's not any meat we've ever seen. And that, yeah, that's good tested- enough. If I know vegans, and I know a lot of vegans, that's enough for them to just eat it, no questions asked. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay, now what is the size of these abscesses? What, what do they look like? Uh, so it depends on the types of monsters we want to have. Are we thinking like, so I'm going to go to D&D right now. Um, Dungeons and Dragons has a lot of different monster groups and a lot of fantasy sci-fi has kind of taken inspiration from that. You have elementals, which are creatures that are the personification of various elemental forces. So you have like beans made of fire, beans made of earth, beans made of lightning. And they're, they're generally just get called elementals or golems. You have mm-hmm. monstrosities, which are naturally occurring magical beasts. So like um, monstrosities in D&D might include like um, oh, what is a, uh, like centaurs, um, driders, which are griffins, yeah, gorgons, um, and then they have aberrations, which are the result of magical experiments, which are things like land sharks or um, cats with like needle tentacles on their back, like really weird stuff. And I say we go really weird on this one. I don't want to do elementals yeah. because elementals nah. are like, I it's don't know. I'm, I'm bored nah, of like them. It. Yeah, they're boring. Yeah. And yeah. monstrosities are fine. But I say if we nah. want to get really out there, we go like the mist style. Yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely into aberra- aberrations. I think that's yeah. cool. Um, because I don't want them to be too big, you know, like kaiju style. No, nah. uh, I like I like them being human human sized, maybe a little bigger. Yeah. Um, because then we can maybe put one on the team somehow, and that's always cool. Yeah. Oh, like a monster. Like we have the very in episode three. One of the they do like a lot of mini. They do a lot of like we got to wet our feet on this. Uh, you got one of those trackers. It's like, yeah, turn turn the frequency all the way down. We're finding small ones, and so it's them busting a bunch of like little dog sized monsters. And eventually, one of them is like cute, so it becomes a team mascot. Yeah. Becomes a slimer of the group. Yeah, love that. Um, okay, cool. So we still got to figure out what the last like the last arc of this is going to be. I think it's them breaking so, into the shift facility and finding out what they're doing. <clears throat> so is that like, is that, you think that's episode like eight or nine? I think episode eight is them kind of realizing what's going on. And episode nine and 10 are them actually pulling it off. We have a reversal at the end or something. Maybe they've been doing this for decades. We do that thing where it's like us power grid has been powered by this for decades. You're way behind on stopping us. And all right, so ten. Um, now, what what is obviously in shows like this? There's always the end, like the finale of each season, which is at the time the biggest thing they can think of. Which, when you get to season two, it's like, oh, that was just a little faction. Uh, what is their goal at the end of this? What is the tiny sect of people trying to get to? Shiv has an extra dimensional base. And they're operating ex- exclusively extrajudiciary, like so. They're they're shutting down the portal. I I think we reveal like in a in a stinger on episode ten where it's like, sir, the California group has been 
disrupted and then it zooms out and it shows that they have moved their operations extra dimensional. So they have an extra dimensional like place that they've set up an external operating base. And that's where Shiv is actually headquartered. Mm, Cool. All right. So we'll have like the destruction of like the mini base, which doesn't really mean anything because they are huge and intergalactic. Yeah. Um, All right, cool. So let's work on our team. Yeah. What does a team look like? So So we we have 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 some podcasters. Yes. We have the monster. We have the cryptozoologist or the monstrologist. Um, We have the true crime. And we have the, what was it, the UFO guy? Um, the Mythbuster, the skeptic. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming one of these has to die in the first episode. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like no? Team of Three. We can add uh, a fourth well, wait, and have them die. Well, or I think I think they got to like pick up at least two members of Shiv. Well, I assume they were operating with a group of prisoners that they had freed in the first two episodes. Okay, cool. So there's, so there's, there's like five or six even. All right. And then episode three, they pick up their, uh, their, their pet. Yes. Okay, cool. And okay. So it starts off with them, uh, investigating a bunch of stuff and then learning that there's this interdimensional conspiracy going on where this, uh, pseudo government agency is trapping interdimensional, uh, aberrations for fake meat, for fuel, for makeup stuff, and because it can't be tested properly because it is obviously out of the world. Whatever they're using it for their own stuff, medicinal not t- purposes, or whatever. Not tested on animals. Yeah, tested. <laughs> uh, it's like every time they find one of these, it has like a bunch of makeup on it. <laughs> uh, when they we do that, we do that scene from Alien Three where it's like kill me but it's just got this hideous like caked on makeup just so much <laughs> lipstick all over its face uh okay so i like that and then in episode three is what we're going to do they kind of hit a couple of the little mini uh raid missions break up little things and that's when they find their their little pet uh they get a little more uh supplies they learn a little more about shiv in episode four, they meet up with this new team. Let's talk about this new team for a second. Who's this? Yeah. What's up with this new team? Um, so I'm imagining it's a small group, um, not a member of like a major organization. Maybe some of them are ex-Shiv. Maybe it's like an ex-Shiv, like a higher up who went rogue and like recruited his own team. Um, and I think that's when we, I think we can kind of expand the setting a little bit. So there's an underground like monster not monster hunting, like Free. subculture, but yeah. a, a, a group of people in the modern in modern day who are aware of these monsters and kind of you know call them wranglers, not not wranglers. slayers. We do the we we make them like descended out of cowboys, and it's like nah, they're wranglers. Cool. And so what the Wranglers do is they go to these little mini aberration uh, spots and uh, stop the like the heist of these aberrations, right? Yeah. Um, actually, you know what I kind of like? I kind of like the Wranglers not being like a single team, but it's a they find like a <clears throat> maybe one maybe the Shiv prisoner leader who works with them was like. You know, we were always told, like, you know, one of the, we got to raid this one spot, but we never actually went through. And then it, it's like the, you know, the rough and tumble bar in the middle of a city, and they go in and everybody's decked out in like monster hunting gear, and they have to like team up with, you know, one or two monster hunters every episode, or they like stumble across one on the same hunt as them, and they're like, no, 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 we're here to take care of this. Like, nobody's paying any bounties on these. If it helps us all get rid of it, let's just do it together. Yeah. Like, that sort of thing. All right. Yeah, I'm cool with that. So they they randomly come across Wranglers throughout the season. I think that's yeah. great. Uh, episode five is when we learn about the, the whole cracking, and then random apparitions are coming through uh, without Shiv knowing, and that's obviously causing a problem. Um, and then we also learn about their portal machine to, s- I guess, whatever. 
Yeah. Um, Maybe they run into a wrangler who's like, hey, my my husband works at the power grid company and this known shiv hotspot has been drawing a lot of power for the last few months in bursts but at regular intervals they're running something there and i can't think of anything that would take more energy than punching a hole in reality and they're like okay bye <laughs> like <Yeah>. thanks <laughs> all right and really? we knew they were uh, we, knew, we knew they were taking them back somewhere yeah um okay there's a bit of a time skip here we learn more about info okay so episode six what's this looking like so this is after the knowledge of the cracking after the knowledge of the portal machine after the knowledge of the wranglers uh what what are our heroes going through i think this is this is after a like a few months time skip where they have become proficient at what they're doing so this is a mon this is a straight up monster hunt but they're good at it and they're well equipped so this is kind of like a fun chance to really have a weird monster that means they have to show how clever they've become at facing these things. Cool. And so episode six is going to be just almost a uh, like a, a fluff episode. Yeah, where it's we're almost just like learning. a bottle episode. Yeah. yeah, where we're learning that they are proficient with their things. They probably have a new team member. Mm -hmm. uh, they know what they're doing. They, they have uh, successfully had a few missions, and now Shiv officially knows about them. They meet a. They meet like a. They finally start seeing that they are no longer the new wranglers on the block. Like they start seeing these new people show up at the bar, and they're like, they start getting. You know, when you worked at a place for long enough, and you start getting asked for advice, they start mm -hmm. getting asked for advice, and they're like, we don't take people on hunts. We we don't want to draw that sort of attention. Like you know, they're they're like, we don't really take new people on. They do take one because at that point halfway we introduce some new young hot shot or something like that yeah. someone who fills in the gap sure um okay and then so what is the what is the push of seven to get up to ten so seven has to be the confrontation uh mm -hmm. they're moving they're moving up towards breaking into shiv i think we we present this starting as a normal monster hunt they realize that this monster is kind of a higher level or you know to use video game terms it's like a boss monster or something like that they're okay. like this is a lot this is a really like w wide abscess i don't like, we got to be careful on this one they are getting kind of they're getting hit pretty bad like it's a rough hunt someone gets hurt i don't think we kill anybody yet i'm not seeing this as like a high lethal thing i think we injure someone badly and they we have to wait to see if they recover um and partway through the hunt they they get either radio chatter or they intercept like a shiv unit coming in who are very heavily equipped and looking for this thing and that's okay. the push they're like why are they doing this now this isn't where they normally do this they came for this monster or something like that yeah and that's the push to break into shiv yeah okay um like, so what they they, they tie this somehow to this is a really mean one and you know that that power grid thing has been going regularly now for a while all right cool what what would you say the ending looks like i know that we have uh we after the break-in we have probably some sort of explosion of this thing uh how do you see the series the season finale of this thing going um I'm I'm seeing them. I don't, you know, I don't know how we want to take. I like the idea that Shiv is actually operating off dimension, like they're mm -hmm. they're ex, they're external. Um, and I think so. We, is this a thing where we we find out that we can? Sorry. No, go for it. I was gonna say, is this a thing where we find out that like after uh, our, our heroes stop Shiv from working on? earth uh we like shut that all down right but that's when we find out that they're actually doing this on other planets or in like orbit or something i think we i think we hint for the characters i think the characters get the knowledge that shiv is worldwide they're like we can shut down their west coast region by closing this by blowing this facility up or you know destroying it whatever but if you look at and then they you know it does a slow zoom out of the map on the wall with all the dots and it's like, 
some dots with the little waves coming out of it to show abscesses. And then mm-hmm. you have maybe like um whatever Shiv's symbol is gonna be. It's like a knife breaking through like it's just a, it's an upright knife and it's breaking through like a half circle line. Like it's a knife piercing a barrier. I don't okay. know. Okay, that's that's cool. And we see those symbols representing Shiv basis, and they're like, I thought this was a localized thing. It's like, nah, they've been setting up franchises. Not in those exact <laughs> words. It's, it's just the easiest way. Fight Club really nailed it um, as far as like setting up what you are, uh, you know, what, what the equivalent thing is. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So yeah, where do you... Stinger is at the actual headquarters. They're like, we got to find the headquarters. It's got to be one of these markings. And then the Stinger is them them not realizing that Shiv's headquarters is not in our realm of existence. It's extra reality. Cool. Cool. Um, Okay. And earlier you mentioned that you did not like the name Edge of the Shiv. It's, It's a little wordy. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Lord of the Rings. I don't know if it's wordy, but I don't, I don't know if I like Shiv in the title. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause I was trying to use like, you know, multi, uh, things like it's a, you know, the, the edge of the Shiv, like being like, this knife. is the part where like Shiv breaks apart, but also yeah. like it is the, it's the piercing part. We also yeah. need to work on what, what Shiv is an analogy for. That's true. Um, so it's maybe ha- harvesting uh, interdimensional... Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so if, if this season is the culmination of podcasters stumbling upon something crazy, meeting somebody else, learning about this interdimensional thing, shutting it down... What what would you say a season two looks like? Season two is them doing a little bit of a, like it starts off with them trying to globe trot. Like it mm-hmm. starts off with that. The first third, maybe half, is them like hunting down Shiv bases and trying to shut them down. And then they realize that it's bigger, and it maybe ends with them attempting to. I'm seeing this as like a three three season thing, maybe. Yeah. It ends with them launching an attack on the Shiv like home base and failing. So there yeah. so all the Wranglers are scattered. Shiv seems to have solidified. Um Yeah. So they go these podcasters go off world? I figure eventually. If they're fighting monsters, yeah. you know, it's that sort of thing where it's like you leave your home and um if we want if we want to have them continue podcasting, we can. For sure. Yeah, I, I I like that. I, I like the I like the yeah. continued podcasting about this, and then people maybe thinking it's like a fictional show. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, obviously, you know, uh, they're trying to cover all this up. Um, okay, I think. All right. So last time we talked that Shiv was the organization of the prisoners that go there and help, but they were under control of a company. I think we called Mallet. Or mullet? I, Was that right? We, yes, we had. I don't know if we were taking that 100% seriously. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't uh, sure. Because I do like I do like Shiv working for somebody. Yeah, and that well, way, like, their name isn't in the title. Okay. I mean, we could, we could go, like, all out wacky in, like, the second and third season where it's, like, this long-term group of, like, world hoppers is attempting to make Earth... Like, we go we go crazy on it, where it's like, turns out these monsters are what happens when the universe... When the multiverse expels, like... It, it, they're like the universe's white blood cells attempting to stop people from crossing these barriers. And oh, cool. Shiv's mother organized... Shiv's parent corporation is like a like hundreds or thousand-year-old group of people who are using it to, like completely mess with natural law completely go crazy with it where it's like yeah what are you talking about 1500 years ago on earth 
we decide a, a group of people learned the true nature of reality when they were visited by an aberration. They set up an organization that hops through the multiverse using ancient texts, and we and there everybody's just like, "Are you serious right now?" And he goes, "Prove me wrong." And we zoom out, and they're like on a rock, floating in like a pink void or something like that. It's like, yeah. So what do we do? I mean, what else do you, what does your body do when you have, when your antibodies kick up? What, let the antibodies deal with it. Now, okay, but imagine that you had like a group of blood cells that were like rogue. Like you had wranglers in your bloodstream. What are they doing? I guess they're hunting down the, yeah, so we're going to be that. And then the third season is them attempting to like maybe even destroy reality hopping tech. Like they're trying to prevent Shiv from being able to move across dimensions. Yeah. I think that's cool. Um, okay, so what if you had to cast our heroes with actors now, who do you see as like the people doing all this stuff? Because obviously, like we're, we're a big fan of fan casting our own stuff. Right. So we have a monsterologist, a true crime person, a mythbuster, a couple ex-prisoners, and then uh, someone to do the mocap work. So this is a little bit of fan service on my part, but I think the either the monster hunter or the true crimer is um, Henry Zabrowski from last podcast on the left because he is an actor, and this is very much what he would do. And he, I think he'd be a very good kind yeah. of like he'd be the crazy one. He'd be the crazy prepper guy. He'd be he'd be the cryptozoologist or the true crimer. Um. I'm seeing... Yeah, I got him as a true crimer. Yeah. I'm seeing... Honestly, I'm seeing just kind of like character TV actors. I don't think we need big names for a lot of these people. I think the head of Shiv needs to be someone yeah. big. Um, Who's an actor who... what? Who? Which actor has been in like media about hopping realities? <clears throat> like, is there a particular actor what? who's well known for being in like either a time travel or a dimension hopping series or movie. Like, you know what? Okay. I mean, so, obviously, obviously you don't want to go Nick cage. Cause that's insane. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, so I finished the 12 monkeys TV series last week, mm -hmm. all four seasons. Mm -hmm. It's great. Um, one of the characters, one of the main bad guys, one of that's only introduced in the third season and only shows up in like three episodes is played by Christopher Lloyd because he's a time traveler. And that's like your fan cast a little bit. So like we, we get, I, love that. I don't, I don't say we need Christopher Lloyd, but I say we need someone who's in like a monster heavy franchise. Um, yeah, not Vin Diesel. That'd be fun. No. Um, maybe Vin Diesel could be like a Wrangler vet. Yeah. Like he, he shows cool. up in, uh, he's like, okay. Yeah. He so, shows up in like a, a cameo as like a real, like badass Wrangler fighting monsters. And then he's gone for the rest of the show. Cause we don't, we don't need any Vin Diesel. <laughs> Doing his stuff all over the screen. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, a lot of the times, Dylan, we write movies, we write single stories. Now, as a writer, what do you think are some things to keep in mind when you're looking at writing like a series? I think it's important, especially on something that we've mapped out kind of like this, to have every episode be self-contained enough to be satisfying to just kind of catch. You know, like, you, you need to be able to hop in at a certain point. Um, while also being rewarding to watch in sequence and to come back to. Yeah. So if we're doing hypothet hypothetically three seasons of this, I think we pepper in a few hints of what's to come even super later. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think we do time travel. I don't think we do any sort of like, you know, something unexplained happens. And then in the third season, we explain it away as someone time traveling back to the first season. That's very rewarding to see but it's been done very much recently. Yeah. It's um, also one of my go-tos. <laughs> yeah. Well, me too. It's a, it's a great <laughs> device and it's a yeah, great, true. admittedly, it's, um, it's a little bit of tooting your own horn. Cause you're like, Hey guys, look what we had planned all the way from the beginning. Yeah. yeah. yeah for good reason. It's a great payoff. Yeah. 
Um, but I think we do stuff where it's like we have characters show up, maybe watching them, and then it turns out it's like a wrangler. I, I say it like in the second or third season, we really introduce the idea of a wrangler who gets lost in space and pops mm. in at random points, not as a deus ex machina, but as a way of being like, this is what can happen when you mess with the space-time barriers. Is that salt? No. No. I like the idea, but no. Um, no, this, that yeah. could be, I mean, that can be our big celebrity cameo is like Vin Diesel shows up in like the third episode ever. And you're like, wait, was that, it sounded like Vin Diesel, but his face was covered. Shows up at the end, shows up at the end of the first season, unveils himself, shows up in the second season episode, like four. And it's like, he gets him out of the tight spot and is like, listen, I got to tell you. And then he blinks out of existence or something. Yeah, and then cool. shows up again a few episodes later, continuing that sentence immediately because he just hopped. Yes, um, right then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's something to figure out in like, you know, six weeks when we come back to this ep- idea for season two. Um, yeah. So I think it's important to keep consistency. I think it's important to make it fresh while also... Um, making it accessible. Yeah. And I don't know, just maintaining that kind of like flow. So that way you don't have a whole lot of dead episodes or like you don't have the great divide from avatar, the last airbender where people just skip that episode entirely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's something that we struggle, at least that I struggle with when coming up with a story. It's like, Hey, is this a movie idea? Is this a single, you know, once uh, singular storytelling device? Can this be something that's like, you know, cause you, you obviously don't want to get into the loss category where mm-hmm. you're just, you're just writing stuff to keep it going. Yeah. So I think it's very important to have your story down to understand who your characters are and really what the point of, your your project is yeah and i i think this is a cool way to do that because what we did was we started this with just one movie idea it was a quick idea of like hey here's these people that do this but after you know sitting on it for a week you realize that this actually might work better as a series and what Mm -hmm. we did here was we just turned a a weird movie idea from last week into a three season, uh, at least the first season kind of a story arc. So I think it's under, I think it's cool to understand what your story is and what you're trying to tell within that story. And I think it's important also to not get super attached to any particular thing because ideas evolve and a lot of times they evolve in a really good direction. But the thing is you have to be willing to entertain the idea that what you initially created is not going to be your final project. And we've seen that a little bit with how we're making this movie we're working on, the short film we're working on where it's like, you know, we had some stuff in the early drafts that we had to cut. We had some lines that we liked and we had to cut just based on that. So yeah. it's important to not, if if you're really, really in love with a specific idea, that's cool. But oftentimes it's like, um, you know, I go back to a lesson I learned early on when I was uh, big into building with Legos. My sisters destroyed it. I could rebuild it and it would often be better. So don't be afraid. I think in most, um, most industry conversations about writing, you're going to hear the phrase, kill your darlings. Don't be afraid to take this idea and completely turn it into something else. Cause sometimes that something else is better than what you had originally. It does. It's not solidified until it is in the audience's hands. Yeah, I yeah. completely agree. And it, and it is something that I'm learning. It's, you know, I, I have a couple of stories I've sent to you and I'm like, I love this story. Don't mess with this. But after working on it and, and turning it into something else, it's like, Oh, this is actually way better than I thought. And um, I've had some things I've sent to you where I'm like, I want to do this. And you're like, okay, but what's the story? And I just go, uh, and so like, remember a setting does not necessarily make a story. You got to put characters yeah. and things in there. That's cool. All right, man, we got to wrap this up. Uh, we went so. a little bit over time, uh, but thank you guys very much for watching, commenting, anything. If you like what you see, like, uh, review, subscribe, share it, 
comment anything at all. Uh, you can find all the weird stuff that we do up here at somenobodies.com. If you want to help us out and throw some money our way and help us produce more things, like Dylan said earlier, we, we're making a movie currently. We're almost done shooting that thing. We have a whole bunch of stuff in the Pipeworks. But if you do want to be a part of what we're doing, you can go over to patreon.com backslash somenobodies. Uh, we also have a GoFundMe for our film. We're really trying to. Uh, we have a great, great, great production team. We've got a our fantastic director. team. Yeah, our director, Savannah O'Neill, has such a beautiful vision for Dylan's story. Uh, Travis Eklund, who is our cinematographer, has the coolest visions for what we're doing. We're very, very happy with everything. We would like to make sure that we can pay them back. And uh, <laughs> so we would like a little bit of help with that. So, uh, yeah, once again, thank you so much. You can find us everywhere, really. We have a new show called The Real Boys, which comes out every Monday. You can find us on Talking Upstream on Sundays and Mondays here on Scene Snobs. You obviously have this live show on Tuesdays, which we call Twitching Upstream, where you can just yell at us or tell us our stories are dumb. No big deal. You can find me throughout the week of random things like Talk Creative to Me, even popping up on Je uh, Jeff Dwoskin's show with my new show called the Netflix Metrics. Um, yeah, anything at all, please just uh, look up some nobodies. I appreciate yeah. it. Uh, I have been. Oops, sorry, God. Oh, no, you can. I, I don't show up on nearly as many shows as Zach does, but you can find me anywhere at Vorpal Words on the internet. That's true. Yeah. yeah, look him up. He's very clever, especially on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I have been Zach Wiseman. He has been Dylan Terry, and you have been awesome, and we appreciate you. Until next week, bye. I'm take it easy out there, everybody, especially now. <laughs> Things are crazy. Yeah. All Please, right. chill out. Drink some water. Yeah, bye.